five friends? Did you tell five friends? Did you tell five friends that our portals is live? Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello. You are now listening to Portals. I'm your host, Shanae Anise, and of course, I have the spectacular. We have someone... Th- Oh, Listen, we have someone watching Wait, from Las Vegas. Oh, welcome, Hi. Crystal and Crystal's mom. Watching from Las Vegas. Yes, I thought you'd want to know. Thank you. We appreciate it. The wonderful, spectacular, prophetic people <laughs> of the Lord, starting with Pastor Tony Cassis. Hi, everyone. Pastor Nathan Cassis. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And Dr. Robin Cassis. Hi, guys. I just was looking at Dr. Robin to see if she was about to say something. She's checking in on people. Yeah, she's, she's saying hi to we people. We have some new people. That's yes, what. acknowledge them. If hi, you want to do a hi. shout out, go for uh, it. Brian Hunt. Oh, wow. Oh, hi, she? Brian Hunt. And so I don't so know that name. And, brother, and then, father. oh, wow. Oh. And look, there's someone there. It sounds very much like they might be. New Zealand or something. Oh, wow. I can't see the master list okay. that you do, unfortunately. Well, if they continue, I'll let you know. Okay. If you're new, just drop a heart in the comments Please. so we can see. Yeah. And for our Spotify audience, we're just shouting out some of our live audience member, and you, too, can be a live audience member with us, as long as you follow our Facebook fan page at Torque NY. That's it. No C. All right, talking why. Um, but we're going to... Because we're coming for all of New York. You see? Just, we're placing the city, but we're over all of New York. You know... Our I prayers re- worked. I mean, just check the headlines of the last <laughs> week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, did I we, did... Uh, go ahead, sorry. Did we say hello to our friend from Malaysia, Brother Chu? Go for it. Go for it. You can say hello. Yeah. Say ni hao ma. How you doing, Yi? We're so glad you've joined us. Bring back some good memories. Yeah. Hi. We used to have a friend uh, named Chu as well. His first name was Arch. Oh, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> you know what? No oh, offense. Oh, please. No offense. Enough. Don't Brother you Archie. dare laugh at that, Eli. Don't oh, you. <laughs> Crazy. Wow, Pastor. The dad jokes are flowing. You know, they're there. They're there. Um, well, that means most of you aren't familiar with the Pink Panther movies, right? Yeah, no. I know oh, I know what you're saying. You I've were watched in the movies. He Peter watched Sellers. a great movie. You remember R2? Yeah. I, I really think he spent a lot of time at movies <laughs> or watching them. You no, bring it's just that everything I got up with movies. Some, there are certain themes you pick up. Yeah. He's yeah. being relevant. After the real and relational, he's being relevant. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, we'll leave that one. Exactly. It's all good, Pastor Tony. We appreciate you. We your do have a lot lot of visitors that haven't been on before, which is yes. good to see. Yes, yeah, we do. 
Yeah, we it's have really a lot wonderful. of people on. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for tuning in on our Spotify Live as well. Uh, and we have something special to talk about tonight. Very. Yes, because we just got out of our summer seminar series. Wow. That's one. Okay. Featuring Pastor Tony Cassis. So, Pastor Tony, kick us off. Tell us, tell the people what you talked about tonight. Yeah. Um, it was called uh, Spiritual Warfare, the Right to Bear Arms. It was just uh, a discussion on uh, weaponry, spiritual, where the spirit and the natural uh, collide. It's a theme that we use a lot. Um, I think I think what we shared because Pastor Robin and Pastor Nate came in on on the end of it, and really put the icing on the cake. I think we're better prepared to uh, pray and do the displacement of the evil powers in the heavens as a church now. And you know what, saints, the future of our nation is dependent on these prayers. It really is. And not just our nation, but the world. Every church in every nation in the world, let me tell you, your prayers, especially when they align with, you know, the um, the spiritual principles that we were sharing, are very effectual. We're told by James the effective, fervent prayer, righteous right, righteous. of a righteous man, multiply that hundreds and thousands of times through the church. And then you've got a super effective spiritual, you know, um, directive and tactic that will see the enemy come down. Uh, and the key is effective prayer. The righteous man, yes, but the effective prayer. Yes. There is a prayer that is very effective. And, of course, if you're right, a righteous man, it means it goes a long, long way. That's virtually what they're saying. Yeah. And what's funny is that um, we've been quoting this scripture about, you know, the government is on his shoulders. And, like, I, I didn't get to share this in the sharing because I thought I'd keep it for portals. But in my Hebrew course, we just did a word study on that actual verse. And the word shoulder there is the Hebrew word mm. Shechem. But it actually represents the, the bearing that the slaves would put on their shoulders to serve their masters. Because in the deep study of that word, you actually understand that kings don't wear things on their shoulders. They wear crowns. So kings bear burdens on their head, right, to show a sign of authority. But the fact that he has the government resting on his shoulders is really powerful because it's saying he's willing to take the burden of the government yes. and the governments off the church and wear them on his shoulders. Yes. But the key is in that play of the word, he'll only take that burden if we give it to him. And only if we ask. Yes. So, so his shoulders are big enough to carry the burden. He's not a king that just wears a crown. He's a king that carries the burden of his people but that burden has to be an invited thing. He will not come and take that burden off us. And we, we've been doing that in the exactly, SWAT team. Exactly, in the SWAT team. I think the key here is, again, as I said, Committing this is something 
that we have to do. Yeah. Not something, you know, we don't have to do it, but it, it's something that must be done. And so the thing is here, we have all these scriptures and they mean so much. And we don't use them, Shania. We don't use them. It's effective. These words of God in the scriptures, these scriptures are effective. And we don't use these effective tools. We don't. So... The government's upon his shoulders. We quote it. What's it mean? Again, question, it needs an answer. Okay? How much do you believe it? You just quote it? Mm. What's it mean? And then we must, it must be our responsibility to find out what it means. We must find out what it means and stop just quoting something and think it's going to have a magic attached to it because it's the Word of God. But the Word of God has to be given back to him. Look, if I'm going to want to know something about the government or do something about the government, I've got to be able to say, you want to hit that? I've got to be able to say... Well, your word says it's, a, it's on your shoulders. So I'm going to ask you to take it. Yeah. Now, that makes it become active. And, Pastor, the key part of that, that understanding is where they would place the burden from that word is on the back. Yes. And what that means is that the counsel of the burden doesn't get into the ear of the Lord. Meaning, because usually when we when you study the wicked counsel, the wicked counselor sits on the shoulder, yeah. Like like you know you see in the movies, like that demon and the angel giving counsel. Yeah, 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 but this yeah, burden yeah. is something that he carries on his back with his head forward. So it means that his ear isn't turned to one government or another. He carries the burden, but the Lord's will is that he only sees the Father's will. So this is really important because the prayer is every day you've got to say, Lord. I'm giving you the burden of the government today. Yeah. Because you can't just say it as a one-stop shop kind it's, of prayer. It's like... It's you know, like, you've got um, to invite him. Lord, I'm giving you the burden of the government today. I think it's like uh, the manna. We think that if we just collect enough manna, we can make it last. And if we just have it, you know, and we just store it, we can make it last. But... What God requires was that they would go out every day fresh manna, fresh manna, fresh manna. So every day this burden has to be given to the Lord. Now, some people might say, well, if I have to do that every day, that, should be, that would be lack of faith. No. No, this is nothing to do with lack of faith. That's you reminding yourself what the scriptures say and how real they are. And, and it's nothing to do with you, you know, judging yourself for lack of faith. So, you know, it's really the reality has to start hitting that the scriptures are real, they're truthful, and they have principles and they work. And it's only lack of faith if you don't believe that his shoulders are big enough to carry the burden. Yeah. Right? That's lack of there faith. There it is. 
by you saying, Lord, I'm inviting you today to take the government off my shoulders and wear Put it, it on, on your yours. shoulders. He says, child, my shoulders are big enough. I'm, I'm willing. That word literally means willing to carry the burden. But it has to be an invitation. It's not going to be an automatic thing. You know, like Jesus went deliberately past them to see if they would see it was him. And then they had to call him, Lord, come and get into the boat. So yeah. sometimes he walks past us just to get our attention to see if we're going to invite him. Because when we invite him to take the government, then all of our opinions have to go. And then all of our ideas of what should happen have to go. Because by carrying the burden, he not only carries the responsibility, but he carries the ownership. And so that means that even with what's going on right now, we have to say, Lord, you know what you're doing. I, think I don't it, know what I'm doing. You know what you're doing. And so it, if we looked at it in the natural, it's like with children. Children, you, you don't expect them to sort of come up to you once and just tell you something or recognise something. It's a daily conversation, a daily conversation and, you know, the Lord doesn't need to be told about this, but we certainly do. We certainly do. So I hope that's the start. So let's yes, go Yes, can we jump right into this? We're because jumping. I, I know, guys, for those listening, um, we will have it available for you guys to go back and purchase the Spiritual Warfare um, show, um, seminar, not show, seminar. Um, so you can get the fullness of this conversation and add to this um, portals. But uh, if we may jump right into some things, because I must say, honestly, as much as I have heard those scriptures and I, I have taken a somewhat of a spiritual warfare class with you guys before today, it definitely hit differently <laughs> um, in a sense of understanding where I kind of let my keys fall to the wayside. And we talked about that similarly last week about having those keys and those words that the Lord is saying and holding on to those things. And I can definitely attest to feeling sometimes feeling not equipped. Mm -hmm. And today I was starting to get so much clarity on the equipping because in my journals, the Lord kept saying, you know, to, to me that you have what you need to fight the enemy. And I'm like, but I don't know what my keys are. You know, like, I don't know how to open this door, Lord, and I'm knocking and all these other things. But tonight it definitely helped bring some clarity on a stronger prayer life in other words. Yeah, the effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so the effective prayer, the things have to become effective. Yes. Effective now. Yeah, well, right. it's and, the spirit. It's the spirit of the word yeah. coming alive. Because even Jesus, you said on the way down, even Jesus said the Logos will kill you yeah. without the spirit of it coming Ooh, alive. Because yeah. sometimes True. we don't understand the spirit of what Jesus is saying. Like I was listening to you today talk about binding and loosing and how that's actually linked to forgiving and how we actually don't use the full power of binding and loosing because we still are wrapped up in unforgiveness. Oh, you know, and when I heard right. you say that, I was like, that's the context of what Jesus was talking about. It is. But we take it as this <laughs> one-stop magic word, oh, I can bind the loose, like, you know, but I, but yet still not want to sit next to my brother at church on Sunday because he was, he's offended me. So this is where we were talking Good. about Good. with spiritual warfare, 
you got to make sure that the enemy, and again, Pastor Tony talked about accusation. Does the enemy have an area to accuse? I mean, you talk about it. You, you shared on it, and then I'll come in with my part. Yeah, the accuser is a big, big enemy of the church because, I mean, there's so much division. But he comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes, like making judgments, right? Trying to figure out a person's motive, God's motive. The accu- I was sharing today that um, accusation is primarily um, when someone is reading into an action or words something that's not there. In other words, your motive is not clear. It's, it's a wrong motive. That's how he accuses God. In the beginning, he told, he, he convinced Eve that God was holding back from her. Right? He was saying God's motive in not letting you eat from the tree was that he wants to hold back from you something, which was a lie. But he accused God of having selfish motives. And she fell for it, unfortunately. And the same, the same happens with us. When, when the accuser accuses your friend or your family member of something, it's usually that their motives for saying or doing something aren't what they're actually saying. So we read into what they say or what they do, something that's not actually there. And you said something else that was really, really powerful. I was listening as I was parking your car. Because <laughs> I actually learned, they say the exact same thing and you didn't even read my course. But the enemy starts with a perceived need. Yep. See, he, he gave Eve a, per- a perception that she needed more than what she had. Yeah. yeah. And this is the room. I hate that. This is the vehicle. Totally, this is the totally. door for the enemy's lie to land in our head. You know, this is the, you need more money. You need more friends. It's you need actually, more love. You need more relationship. You, you need, need a bigger a career. Car. Yeah. You need a, bi- a bigger imprint. You need, it, it you know, all of this. You need another church. Perceived need. I think it comes down. You need another down, church. That's a big one. It comes down to a statement that is quite often made. And you said a perceived need. But, um... It's usually known in the church as grass is greener on yes, the other side. And, and that's usually because you're looking where you shouldn't be looking. <laughs> you know, always looking where you shouldn't be looking. She I think she nearly choked it. Are you all right? <laughs> you need to rephrase oh. your statements, Pastor. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. She's almost choked there. You okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. No, it is. It is. It's... If you're looking where you shouldn't be looking, you're going to always see something greener away from yeah, you. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Non-stop, all the time, yeah. happening. And so the whole situation, you're talking about, I think the, one of the worst things is, uh, you know, your perception of yourself. Your perception of yourself, you know. That's, that's the big one. Um you know, it's easy for the devil to tell you about other people. But, yeah. I mean, if he can get you to listen to things about yourself, <laughs> that is incredibly yeah. more effective. Let's put it that way. Oh, It's funny my because gosh. the way Satan hit works it, well, is... Baby, hit it, You're touching on something here, Pastor, because the way he works is it's the bait. The bait that he gives us is about ourself first. Yep. Then we swallow the bait. Then yep. he turns it on other people and God. Yep. Yeah. Because if he comes out against God straight away, 
you know, our defense is up. So he gets us to question ourselves first, question our our own intentions, our motive. Do we love God that much? You know, are we that close to God? Are you really that intimate with God like you say you are? Then you you swallow the pill. Then the pill slowly starts to release the toxins into the body. Yep. And now the toxins change your vision. Now you start looking at others and go, ah, okay, there's room for accusation there. And God, the same thing. And so what we taught in our Real Relationships Seminar is your reality of the world is formed and based on your conception and perception of who you are. That's right. And that's a really big key because even psychologists will teach you the way you view the world, the way you view people, the way you view everything on the outside of you is all determined by how you first view you, which is the power of the scripture. Jesus said, you love your neighbour as you love It's got to be yourself. yourself. Yeah, because when you learn to love, look, what do we say when we say you love your neighbour as yourself? It's not, hey, we're loving ourselves in that prideful way. It's I see it yes. as when I love my, my neighbour as myself, I'm loving what God's doing yeah. in me. Yeah. And that causes me to be able to love my neighbour because I've learned to love what God's doing in me. Uh, That's the type of love I'm talking about. The other one... It's not this Oprah self-help love. No, 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 no Oprah self-help. No. No. That's lusting yourself. No, she needs to keep the bangle on. True imagination (laughs) of Jesus is Lord. True, true, true imagination. We've got new visitors. You've got to be careful. <laughs> She's got <laughs> <laughs> an ankle bracelet. <laughs> true imagination is only picturing what God sees. Yeah. Oh, true imagination is only picturing what God. I said one time to Pastor Tony because it hit me when I was learning about the, the power of imagination. Your imagination is given as the creative ability from God. To only use so that the eyes of your heart, meaning the eyes of your spirit, only see what God sees about yourself, about him and about others. Anything outside that picture is illegal. It's even bigger than that, Pastor. It's even bigger than that. Now, I know we're getting caught up again, but this is it. Why can't we get beyond this point? Because God only sees through the eyes of Jesus at us. And what's he going to see if he's only looking through the eyes of Jesus? He's never going to see anything negative, you see. But, you see, we want to look through the eyes of us. But but God looks through the eyes of Jesus and he looks through the eyes of the cross and the absolute victory that took place. And that's why he is so blessed to bless us because of that incredible victory at Calvary. Awesome. We're going to take a quick, and I mean very quick break, which means we're just going to turn this button off and put it back on because we don't want you guys to miss out. Because you won't, so don't just fear Just say hi to the new people, please. There's a whole lot of new people coming Hello, on. new people. Hi, Shane. Went right back on. We're Hello, back. we're back. Um, we're back. <laughs> yes. Let's say hi to Shane and hi. let's say hi to Sarah. 
Hi, Sarah. Hi, Brad. Brad's on today. I have not Hi, met. people. Sarah, I believe, came to Jazz Gallery a couple of times, but now she's based in London. So, hi, oh, Sarah. Wow. Hi, Sarah. Watching oh, from the UK. Yeah. Great yeah. to have you with us. Yep. And oh, it's Caleb. To yeah, we got some, some beautiful rel- welcome, the regulars, but there's more faces coming on. Yeah, we have some new friends tonight, and we appreciate you guys listening. So if you're ringing, if you're involved with us from London, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you say it. No. no. Okay. Because <laughs> I can't do <laughs> hello. Give a shit. I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't know. British. Hello. 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 Uh, look Hello. past Tony's face, disapproves. That sounds Italian, like an East End accent. Yeah, that's exactly. an East End. You've got, you got many the different the dialects. English speak better than that. For Sarah, English. how do we do? I was talking of the very, very strong accent. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I want to continue this conversation because it was just so good. So many things to... Jeez, uh, it's so many things. Um, <laughs> I just... I love what you said. I was... You took the words right out of my mouth to reference your real relationships course because when you said that that perspective that we live out is our worldview, it's so true. Because I remember thinking like something about someone, but then I realized that I actually think that same thing about myself, and I just was like, oh wow, how eye opening and I I think it's one of the strongest things. <laughs> I was like, oh. I think it's one of the strongest things. Uh, you know, um, everybody concentrates on loving your neighbour. But, you know, if we were just, uh, you know, obedient to what the Word of God says, let God get us to a place to love ourselves. And it, it would be easy to love your neighbour. Right. Because the hardest part of it all is loving oneself in that way, godly way, knowing what God is doing, this awesome work that he's doing. You know, like, for instance, here's one. The, yesterday I was hearing myself talk to myself. I made a choice that is not good enough. I'm not doing that. If I'm going to talk to someone, I'm going to talk to the Lord or I'm going to talk to a physical person, but no more talking to myself because that's also coming out of the council. It is. Yeah. It is. Excuse me. Coming out of the council of the Lord. I don't want to be the one to counsel myself. And if I start talking to myself, I begin to counsel myself. That's out of his presence. Yeah. You know, so... And that, that, leads to that. The, that leads to the because voice coming through, the talking to yourself and the counselling yourself. Because we're talking about congruence tonight. What is congruence? Congruence is when your body, soul and spirit are all in alignment with the word, rima and logos of God. So we go spirit, soul, body. Yeah. So a part of our... This is where I came in. Part of our big attack... From the enemy is um, we've for very long in the church we haven't understood that we are uh, made up of three parts, and so we've summed all of us up into one whole thing. So that's one of the biggest lies from the enemy. And then another part is that um, there are, there are areas in us that don't agree with other areas, 
and it creates an inner wall and an inner division. And Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Now, we usually, you know, interpret that against a demonic house because he was referencing a demon, right? right? Like, how can Satan cast out Satan? Right. Like, right? But it also shows because we're created in the Father's image. So that means that we have three parts in us. And again, this is in the biology of us to be in his image. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. So therefore, we are three parts. We are spirit, soul, and body. And that means that we have that DNA, that Trinitarian structure in our DNA. So for all of us to work, just like the Godhead don't work independent from one another, but they all have a function, but they all have a place, and they all respect one another's place, each place of us has to be in agreement and alignment with the other part. I think not just agreement, and of course we do, you know, because it said if two agree, yep. shall, you know, yep. it is in heaven. A threefold cord and is not easily broken. A threefold cord is not easily broken. But let's go back to the alignment. Yeah. Let's go back to alignment. Now, I'm going to come from the angle of it being spirit, soul, body. So, first and foremost, it starts in the spirit. Yep. It starts to, yes, the heart. It starts in the spirit and, and the flow, the river of living water, that flows into the soul, which the soul is like a conduit where it carries it. And then that which is carried has, to, has been a line to go into the body. So you have this three-fold action taking place. It's in agreement and alignment. You cannot but receive the best. If, and, and that comes down to one more thing that I'd like to say. You believe, you believe, you believe. Did you hear me? That there's three beliefs. Spirit, I believe. Soul, I believe. Body, I believe. Yeah, I like the analogy that you guys brought forward in that congruency of saying how we can think, you know, faith, but then not feel the faith or that analogy. Can you just break that down for any new listeners yeah, and um, briefly so touch on it? This week, in, I'm, I'm, for those that don't understand, I'm studying to get my doctorate in Christian counselling and psychology and I'm doing a course right now that I'm about to teach in the fall called Kingdom Emotions, Unleashing Kingdom Emotions. And it goes to understanding that for a lot of the time we've been told as Christians, don't feel. Don't, don't feel, just be, have faith, but send your feelings to hell. Now that was a revelation for that time. But again, like we said in our ad, you know, um, Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So that's one third of the kingdom and two of those elements are emotions. And that's the kingdom of God. So there's an element of feeling like God feels because if he didn't want us to feel, why did he give us feelings? So that's an element of his creative nature that we have sort of overplayed and underlooked. But what's really important is to understand what pastor said, it starts in the heart. Where does the demonic vexing and the demonic attack start? 
it starts with what we call in the counseling world a heart wound. A heart wound is where the enemy gains footing. Then from the heart, he moves to, because you've been wounded in your heart, you create a belief system from that wound. The mind, which is the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. The, the heart, the spirit, into the soul, carried like a, that conduit yeah, to your soul. And then the soul uh, make it made up of mind, will, and emotions. So there's the three things. So that's the second part. And, and the then from there, third part it moves to your body. And the actuation of that is your mouth, yeah. what you speak. Yeah, you're going to say it. So how we're talking about congruence, or another word that is, is called con coherence, is sometimes our confession doesn't line up with what we're really feeling in our heart. Sometimes our thinking doesn't line up with our confession, which is where we move in presumptuous faith. We just say it for the sake of saying it, but we don't really believe what we're speaking. So there's no power behind it whatsoever. And then in other times, maybe our heart is there and our confession is there, but our thoughts are the things that we keep giving room for the enemy to attack in. And something that I didn't get to say tonight, because I'm going to keep it for the course, but what protects that whole house, our house, if we're the model, right, from being attacked spiritually is the hedge of faith, right? Like Pastor said, it's the hedge of faith today to know that you were saved, not to hope that you were saved. It's to know that your spirit is sealed It's until the day of redemption and to know that the enemy can only touch what you give him. Yeah. And when we forget that, that removes, like, can you bring up that, that graphic? Uh, Pastor, just, just to let you know, you mentioned, while he's getting the sure. graphic up, um, you know, we talk about feelings and we talk about uh, we've been told not to feel. And look, uh, we can feel, but we can't react. Yeah, no, kingdom emotions only. The emotions is different than feelings. Yeah, yes, definitely. And we're going to learn that. So this is what I was showing the, the church in the seminar this is us, like in, in Luke eleven twenty four. that's where Jesus says a house divided against itself can't stand, right? And he also talks about another scripture where um, if you don't keep the house cleaned and swept, the demon goes away and grabs seven worse than itself. And so they build upon one another. But I don't know if we could draw something around it, John, just to give the idea, but imagine that there's a security barrier around this house. What is that security barrier that stops the demonic infestation it's the shield of faith it's the only defensive weapon in the whole entire armor right so once your shield of faith is gone you're open to attack because it's your only um defensive weapon correct that's what you said tonight uh they're all defensive except the sword i think um Protective, I mean. Yeah, the sword is the only offensive. But the yeah. shield of faith, once the faith is down, yeah, you're once you drop attack. your shield, your vulnerability yeah. to the enemy is, you know... Much higher. Much mul multiplied. Yeah. But what's really powerful about this is I hear a lot of, hear a lot of Christians say, well, oh, I thought I got rid of all the demons. And oh, why do I have to keep on casting things out? But then... This is what they said in my course, and it just hit me. They're like, the, models is, the model to follow is Jesus' life. Jesus dealt with demons one-third of the time. 
So if your Christian walk is not dealing with one third of demons in your entire life, it's not adding up to the life of Christ. Let, let me oh, say, my yeah, let, let me come Best in there and say, why would we say, oh, have to deal with demons again? Look, every time something leaves, there's more room for Christ. That's it. Always more room for Christ. But I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as something that I've been given a blessing with to get freer and freer and freer every day. So to me, if I have to kick out another devil, good. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Look, we take medicine, we take pills every day, and we don't complain about that. But, but Pastor, when if we you have to do something spiritual, yeah. we complain. But if you oh my goodness! But let's take let's take from an analytical standpoint, right? To the analytical mind, the model of Christ is the data model to follow for successful living. It is right. Jesus was successful living because there was no sin in him, right? So if I look at Christ's life as a model data for my life, that means that as a believer. I should at least be dealing with demonic activity for one third of my life. Like study that. Like let that land. Jesus did it. If it's good for Jesus, it's good for me. It's good enough for so us. So that means if I'm not dealing, here I go challenging Christians again. If you're weak, if at least one third of it is not dealing with demonic activity, you're not living on the level that Jesus lived. And let me say one more Whoa. thing. Hit me with this. But I want to say right now, if you're not being affected by the enemy, then you should ask yourself a question about that one. Are you a threat? Are you a threat or are you a friend? <laughs> Which one is it? Because you should be challenging the kingdom of hell and darkness every single day. Every single day. Even be more than that, Pastor. Uh, more than that. Now, I'm going to bring something up. I'm going to say uh, the other day we had a big accident in the house with yes. my glass table. Yep. It got smashed and it was not the best decision that was made to have it happen like that. Um, you know, somebody did something that was not wise. And so I'm going to tell you, I had the opportunity to lose it. Or I had the opportunity to say, no, I'm going to share my disappointment with you, Lord. I'm going to get through any anger that I've got in my heart because it's only a table and people's lives are more important. And so I chose, I went up to pastor afterwards because you went home, I went up to pastor afterwards and I said, I think I'm doing well yeah. to overcome <laughs> this. And I... You know, I chose, guys, I chose not to let my feelings run away with me. I chose to be emotional, give it to the Lord, tell him, no, it's a table, people are more important, children are more important than this. And 
believe it or not, it was a major thing, but I was able to get through that within about half an hour. And this is not a light thing, but I was able to. And I'm very proud of you. You did very, and, very and well. And it has not hit me at all. Right, we get a new tabletop. What's the big deal? We're going to get a new one. And that's all I'm thinking about now. People say, I'll buy you a brand new one. I said, no thanks, just a tabletop will do. You see, we're talking here $1,000 or something. And kids are more important, people are more important, and the lesson that needed to be learned is more important. And I chose that. And every single person in this room right now can choose to wake up and say it's getting too late in the day for any more of this. I say that to every single person and everyone out there. Time is short. What are you doing with the time that God's giving you? Stop wasting time. One of the big things, guys, that we're learning out of this whole situation are we going to go back round that mountain again? I choose not to. I made a choice. Every single person must make the choice one way or another. Yep. So seriously, this is all about my spirit being in line with my soul yep. and then my physical body came in line and within a half an hour, we were moving on to something else more important. And I want to point out before we go to the break, Pastor, what was great about that was you didn't circumvent your feelings. No. Or your, your emotions. No, you I worked, noticed You them. worked through them, but because your heart and your mind were in a place where the river of life was flowing from your heart through your soul and the door to your mouth was open because you were only going to say what God wanted you to say, this is the key, she was actually able to express healthily what she was feeling That's without right. word cursing, traumatic no, pictures, inner vows, negative expectations, I ungodly soul ties to the table, all I of it. I could have. Come could've. on, let's be real. The, the woulda, shoulda, coulda thing, I could have. But I heard myself and I went, no. See, I think if you mean business, God will let you hear yourself. Do you hear that? I truly believe that God will let you heal yourself, heal yourself, and then you make the decision then. Do you carry on or you're going to let him get you to the place where you emotionally you need to talk to him about it, but you don't take it any further. So no reaction with people. Do you understand? So, uh, you know, and that happened and... uh, the next day, certain people were just out there doing more things, creative, and, and someone came up to me and said, thank you for giving me the opportunity to help today. And I said, well, I can't see it at the moment, so it looks like you have to be my eyes to see it in the, in the nighttime creative yeah. things. And uh, so you choose it. You really choose it. Yes. You know, if you choose correctly you'll hear yourself if you're going off so that you can be in line amen
because I know the key is to be in line, like this conduit that's pouring out of your heart, the like a flow all the way through your mind, will, and emotions. So your mind, Christ, the mind of Christ, yeah. the will of God, and the emotions of God. It can happen. So when we come back from the break, I'll dive into a little bit deeper how this takes place to help people. I want to make one statement before we go because I didn't get to say this tonight. Um, it says here, um, the only way a demon can be there if it has legal door or the hedge of faith has been torn down, right? When the hedge of faith is torn down, the Bible says this gives the enemy legal grounds, right? So what is a heart wound? Let's just define it before we go into the break so people can think. A heart wound, very simply, are any attitudes or things which are opposite of faith, hope, and love. And love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Yep. That's a heart wound. We've all got them. And we could keep getting our heart wounded until we make the choice. Please make the choice. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is wanting to work with you in this to bring an end to these wounded heart things. All where the do we time. make the choice? Not with our mouth first. No. Uh. With our heart. That's right. Your and, mouth. Then, and then that flows to our soul, yes. which will flow Mind, out of our mouth. Emotions. Yeah. So the heart should be the dominant one, the spirit. Then the, the head gets into line, right? Mind, will and emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, the physical body will then flow. And then you'll have healing, you'll have peace, you'll have faith, Ooh, hope, Bob. love, all of it. You'll have it all. All right, guys, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. If we constantly had answers all the time, think about this. Jesus didn't get answers all the time. He had to go through the process yes. every single day. Hello. If the Son of God who decided to take off his deity and come as a man, walk like a man, be a full man, fully God, fully man, if he had to do it, why do you think you get not to do it? Get it? Understand it? We have to go. Your, your favourite word is process. It's the word of the millennia. But Process. it's your word, yeah. and it's so important for us to see that if the Lord did it, there is a, a blessing in it. There is a need for timing. There is need for timing. Yeah. We grow in timing. Yeah. Well, imagine if you had just grown teeth overnight. <laughs> yeah. You would bite your tongue your brain would not know where to send <laughs> right. the actual amount of food and where to chew. Your teeth growing over time teaches your salivary glands yep. how to add saliva to the right parts of the mouth so that the food is digested and broken down. And what right? if So I love the science of it. If you had teeth overnight, 
Can you imagine picking up like a carrot and trying to chew it with your two front teeth? <laughs> no. You wouldn't know because time teaches the muscle memory yeah. what, what's needed. Amen. And I think that goes for everything, walking, talking, the whole thing. It's all a process, you see. And so time God, is teaching your spiritual muscle memory. God chose yeah. to do it this way. Yep. Your spiritual muscle and also your physical muscle with certain things, you know. Sorry. And uh, that scripture that says uh, be anxious for nothing, you know, let your uh, petition or your supplication be known unto God. and But you could do it with thanksgiving. This is what time brings. Mm. Time brings thanksgiving to anxiousness. Come on. That's it. I'm blowing your mind now. And what does thanksgiving do? I said to Karen today, I said, Karen, do you know what thanksgiving does? She goes, and she answered very well because she's been listening to me. She goes, yeah, Dad, it multiplies everything. Oh, wow. See, Jesus Come looked on. up to heaven. Seven-year-old child and she's got it right from Jesus the Lord. Jesus looked up to heaven and gave thanks. And then he broke the bread and the fish. And as he broke it, it was multiplied. Yes, it because was multiplied. Because why? Here's the, here's the quantum physics. Because he looked up into heaven and he said, thank you, Lord, because I know that right now in heaven I see all the provision that these people have. And so by giving thanks and activating my faith, I'm going to collapse that right now into, into this, this dimension. Mm. So his thanksgiving became the actual thing that multiplied the blessing. And this is why Satan... Hates Thanksgiving because it's it's a security skin shield on God's work in your right. life. Right. And do you know too often now we're two-dimensional yeah. uh. and we're trying to live in a five-dimensional faith level. Yeah. To collapse a five-dimensional faith level into a two- or three-dimensional world. Right. It is not going to work. Yeah. Uh, uh, you don't get to have it come to you. You've got to go there, get it, and bring it back. Oh, yeah, that's good. True or not, Pastor Tony, he looked up and gave thanks mm. first. And as he gave thanks, then he multiplied. Right? Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, it's in the breaking that you multiply. Right. It's in the breaking. That you multiply. Are you being broken today? Then look forward to multiplication. Amen. <laughs> yes, for those who will walk away from this and say, well, I thought we weren't supposed to confess it Thanksgiving if we don't feel like it, like you just said earlier. Can you just, for that? See, this is the difference. Thinking. See, can see you just, this you is know. what we've... The, you you've reversed you've reversed you've reversed the process. Yeah. You will never confess it if you don't first see it. So you have to see what no, he sees I to be believe thankful. what I see. No. Hang on, hang on. You way. have to see what he sees so you, that you can be thankful that now you're not looking on this dimension. I'm not telling you to be thankful by looking around here and going, well, I'm thankful that, you know, in my earthly sight, I have this. No, I'm telling you, you look up into the heavens right. and you're thankful because you know that all of your needs are supplied. 
You look up into the heavens and you know that he's forgiven you of every sin. You look up into the heavens and know that you're healed. And then you and then don't you're just thankful. look up. You've got to look down from the heavens. And then from being thankful from that position, now you engage your emotions and your body and you say, wow, I see in that realm I'm thankful. So now my body takes on this emotional stance of gratitude and thankfulness. And so now all of my belief systems and every lie that the enemy tries to whisper doesn't land. Because I'm engaged in this dimension. So Jesus looked up and saw in the heavens those loaves and that fish. And, and he said, right, he now I see you that, doing that down here. That had to come down here. Yeah. It wasn't, hey, everybody has to go up there. Why are we always trying to do that? It's God wants us to bring from there down here. Yeah, don't be Change modest and be like, well, I'm thankful that I've only got, here. well, you know, one Stop one changing supplying. heaven. Yeah. That's not, and let me break it down. That's like that whole thankful, well, you know, I'm, you know, I've only got one, you know, th you know, I've only got one phone. So, you know, I'm just thankful for that. That's, that's a different type of, of thankfulness. What I'm talking about is thankfulness that multiplies. Being content and being thankful are two different things. Yeah. So don't mistake being content with just what you've got. See, God will always get you to be content first so that he can trust you with more and then he'll get you to look at your more and go, it's not enough. But part of our problem is we always get into this, here we go, self-evaluation, self-perception. Oh, well, you know, I'm just so thankful with what I've got. I don't need Praise any God. more. You know, I'm just happy to do whatever the Lord wants. Okay, that's the starting point. Praise it's God. not the finishing point. Because he wants you to be thankful so much so that you go, Lord, I'm so thankful for what I've got that I need you to give me more right. so that I can multiply it back to you and even if more. You, and then if uh, if you're thankful, anxiousness won't be there. Oh. And that's, that's the, that is the most effective prayer you can have. You see, that's effective. And effective prayers get answered very quickly. You guys can go ahead and continue. I'll just as far give you, I'll give you a going, physical like, example no. to, before we go into this. <laughs> you get into a job, right? A very basic Sorry, like, nine to five. Where are you going, Pastor Tony? Oh, you get into like a very basic nine to five job, right? And it's a starting point. And the Lord says, right, if you're thankful in the little, you'll be thankful in the much. Here's, here's the breakdown of that scripture. So he gives you that job to, t to test so if he can trust you with the more. So he waits till your heart is so thankful that you don't even want anymore. And then right at that point, he goes, right, now it's not enough. Wow. Whoa. I need you to want more. Because if you don't want more, you'll become Hit complacent. That. Don't let them miss out on that one. I had to get it. it was, you can get it. It's the truth. Somebody get it. to the point where I say, Lord, look, yep. I'll, give my only, I'll give my own example. I said to the Lord all my life I wanted to be, you know, dancer, entertainer, blah, 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 right? And then he got me to first kill that dream, right? And then he came over, then I came into the pastorate here and being a minister. And I got to the point where I said, Lord, I'm so thankful for what I've got just to be able to be creative here on Sundays, right? And just be able to have time with my kids and help the ministry grow and, you know, being saved from that world, blah, 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 right? I get to that point. But that's not where I've got to stay because now he's saying, right, now you're thankful. That's great. But if you stay there, it'll become too comfortable. So now I need you to ask for more. 
because then that means that you truly trust me to give you the more so that you can move to the next phase. Because if you stay there, Nathan, just being here, it's going to become complacent. And then the thankfulness will turn to complaining because you'll be like, oh, Lord, oh, I feel so underused. I feel so undercreative, Lord. I feel so undervalued. I'm not using my gifts. So now he's saying, no, be thankful, but no, Lord, I'm thankful, but I know there's more. So I need to call them more into my reality. And that was what Jesus did. Jesus looked up to heaven and thanked the Father that you hear me, Father. You hear me. I know you hear me and I'm thankful for that, right? Right. And then he got the more. Amen. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was able to get the more. What's the channel for that? Is being thankful can bring the more, but it can deal with that 8% of anxiety and fear that's out there in the world. And I've said it so many times. If you keep looking straight out there, you're in the two or three dimensional. If you start looking up to look down, then you're moving from the three to the four up to the five and bringing it back here again. Amen. And so this goes now to congruence because you can be saying, Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm, you know, um, let's let's talk about some of the lies. Lord, I'm so thankful that, you know, um, uh, basic one, I've got a job. Lord, I'm so thankful, right? But in your heart, you're making inner vows with, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't let myself go out to that big bad world again or negative expectations, Lord, I'm so thankful that I've got this job because I have a negative expectation that if I go for something else, I'll never get it. So this is where now all of your heart, soul, and body become out of alignment. So this is really, really important because... Can I give you the statement we make so you can bring it in when you say it? Um, You know how we get something and we say, oh, it's not going to last. It's too good to be true. That is such a negative statement. That, that has nothing in it to do with thankfulness. Don't acknowledge something and then turn around and say it's not going to last. That's that sarcastic, that laughter in the heart. I remember that one, Pastor Tony. Anyway, Go ahead. Sorry, continue. And that pastor falls that. into the category of word curses. Yep. You know? yep. um, you're putting your ceiling on the demon's house. Um, I just want to go back to this thankfulness thing quickly because the Holy Spirit's led us there. You need to find out at what stage of thankfulness your life is at. Yes. Is it at the stage where you need to be thankful for what you've got? Yep. Or is it at the stage where you're thankful for what you've got, but now you need to be thankful that he's ready to give you more? Oh, my God. Maybe that will quiet some of your inner war and questioning. I think that's three different places. Yeah, because when the Lord said that to me, he said to me, if you stay where you are, You'll get complacent and complacent will lead to complaining and complaining will lead to rebellion. So he said, now it's time to push the up button on the elevator, which is what we did with the prophetic. We were thankful for the evangelistic movement, but it had to go up. It went to the apostolic movement, prophetic movement, saints movement. Reformation movement. Yeah. Because whenever we get comfortable with something and we start to settle in and go, right, God, this is all you can do, because that's what you're saying. 
This is all you can do, and I'm content with that. You can't limit what he can do. And that's the state that the church is in today. You see, it's not the world out there that's got to be woke up. It's the church that needs to be woke up because they become plateaued and they've just become stationary now. Yeah. And you see, I'm thankful, yes, I've got this and I can do this and I'll take the jab and I'll do that and everything like this. And you see, where's your next place to go up? You've gone and plateaued. Plateauing doesn't make you go up. You just stay where you are. And so you're not experiencing all that God wants for you and you're just content to stay where you are. And you'll never be a threat to the devil. And that's serious, guys. That's really, really serious. You need to think, You like Pastor said, find out, ask some questions of yourself and of God and let him answer you. Holy Spirit will answer you if you're genuine and you want answers for these questions. He will answer you. Because yeah. I think the fruit, sorry, Janet, people are asking, you know, like, well, how do I know what stage? Look at the fruit. Like, if you're content... It's, it's funny because usually God gets us to the point where we're content with what he gives us and then he says, right, now that's not going to be enough. I want you to want more. And it drives us insane because, hang on, I just got content with what you gave me and now I've got a desire coming up that it's not enough. It's not feeding that place that it used to feed. Complacency. That's a, that's, that can be a godly thing, but if it's not submitted back to the Lord, it can become a demonic thing very quickly because that's when you start to look at the grass being greener. When you get complacent, why do you look at the grass being greener? Because you've gotten complacent and you haven't gone to God and said, where's the elevator button up? You know, you've began to look at your own way of trying to press up without the Holy Spirit. So and I know you taught on this in Foundations about always pressing up. Talk on it. Come on. No, 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 please. Come in. I really can't add any more. It's just that we, the Lord puts it in our hearts to always desire more of him more expansion. It's always a good sign when when we're growing. He never, ever wants us to stop growing. And if one of the answers we got answered, like the jab, Australia, guys, the jab, if you get jab, that... Jab, 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 <laughs> jab. Jab, get jab, get that algorithm get, kicked get it. into gear. Kick, 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 kick. Jab, jab, jab. Anyhow, if you jab got... Jab means that, darling. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, jabbing. Jab, jab, right jab. Uh, yeah. Arm I'm going to share this with you. If you got <laughs> the answer to this today, you wouldn't go any further up. If he has to keep you on your toes to keep you pressing a higher button, and you have to reach up on your toes to touch that button, then look, that's what's going to happen. That's what, you see, if it's so comfortable we can reach the button, there's no problem. It doesn't take faith, just breach the button. But if it's out of your reach and you have to get up there to press it, then I'm telling you, 
That's what the Lord will do. Don't blame the devil for this stuff. You belong to the Lord. Ask him what's his way in all this. Look at, I'm, I'm talking because I'm looking at Daniel. I'm looking at Joseph. I'm looking at all those things that went on. And when he got the right perspective, guess what, Pastor? The Lord was there all the time. He didn't just turn up. He was there all the time. It's, um, it's, it's very rare to find a church that's transitioned from one level of, like, Holy Spirit anointing to another. Because, like, often a church experiences something of, like, a revival. Yeah. And then it settles down. Yeah. It gets into comfortability again. Like, for instance, at, at the moment, let's say, for instance, the Pentecostal movement that introduced tongues to the church, but a lot of saints just stayed there, didn't move on. That actually becomes manna with worms in it. Yep. And it doesn't do what it used to do. And, like, you know, if, if, if you've been charismatic Christian for 20 years and you haven't sort of allowed the Holy Spirit to take you to new levels of faith, new levels of gifting, even new levels of like servitude and prayer, you just settle into what we call treadmill Christianity again. And yep. a good sign to show you is if you're complaining about what you've got, then you're not ready for more. If you can't see the gold in what you've got and you're not content to just live with that. When the Lord said to me, right, are you content to let your dream die? I had to get to the place where, yeah, Lord, I'm just content to go to church, sing on Sundays, just do this for the rest of my life. I'll be content. And then the moment that I got there, he goes, right, now your heart's in the right place. Now I'm going to tell you it's not enough for your life. <laughs> I purposed you for more, for greater, for bigger. But I couldn't get there until I was ready to be content with that place. And then he goes, right, now it's time to expand because if you stay there, you're going to limit me and I can't be limited in your life. It's all about me, Nathan, not about you. Yep. If you stay there, then you're saying I'm only that much big in your life. And so this is really important because now we're going to go into the house of and what happens when we're not thankful and, and, and what happens in this stronghold. Yeah, but it, and the thing is that um, when we allow the Lord to make us grateful, that's when we grow. That's really when we grow, you know. And you don't look at someone's grass being greener on the other side. Do you understand? Because your trust is in God that he's given you everything you need for you to move up. Yep. See, when you are look discontented, yep. you are not trusting God no. you're not you're definitely not trusting the Lord and you're not trusting the excitement and the bigness of your God you're not trusting him and so you know we need to see this is a slur on the Lord this is nothing to do with us this is a slur on who he is and we need to take a good look, like Pastor said. Check these three things. 
check them. Say them again, Pastor. Yeah, I said there's different levels. Like, are you at the level of thankfulness and gratitude where the Lord is asking you to be grateful for what he's given you now? Have you become so grateful with that? Or are you at the level where you've be already become so grateful with that and you're content with that, that he's saying, right, if you stay here any longer, it becomes complacency and comfortability. So there are two levels there that you need to check. And a lot of the fruit will be your measuring stick. Definitely. If you are constantly being berated by comparison, you're not ready to go up to the next level. But if yep. you're content to go, right, what you're doing in me is greater than what you know, I think you should be doing in me according to others, then, and you can honour that, you're ready to go up. You've got to see the gold in you first. It'll, you know, um, I'm looking at history here. And Pastor, you mentioned Pentecostalism. And you mentioned the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that would have died unless God did something urgently to bring the persecution against it so that people would begin to go up. Because the moment people stop, you know, and put something on the top of it, we have to remove the, the roof off the thing so that we can go up. So if I'm happy to stay in a place of having the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it won't be long because, until it becomes stale. Exactly. Stale. So God says, I have to give persecution to get my people moving up. Yeah. And I just want to say this one statement. The Lord said this to me in a journal just a couple of weeks ago. He said to me, Nathan, I'm not interested in what you can do for me. No. And it landed. And I've heard him say that before. He said, because when you come to be with me, I'm not going to have a relationship with your acclamations. <laughs> I'm not going to have a relationship with your achievements. All I'm going to have a relationship with you. You're going to sit in my courts and fellowship with me, not what you did for me. And that showed me, wow, my soul, my heart, my character is so much more important to the Lord because that's what goes to fellowship with him for eternity. Not Everything I've done goes away. Not your works, baby. It goes Not away. But what stands in his presence is who I've become in his image. That's more important yeah. than an award. It's more important than man's opinion. And so when you get that concept of your life, you start to see, I'm thankful for what you're doing in me. I'm grateful for what you're doing in me because I know that it's the most important thing. It's more important than me getting notoriety from this person or that person. Or I mean, winning points. Yeah, I mean, I was told like by prophets that were so great of prophets, you know, I see you in front of hundreds of thousands. I see you winning Grammys and all this. And that's great if that's in the Lord's plan. I'm not sure it, it's what I want at the moment. So God will have to get my heart there. But what he's doing in me right now to teach me about who he is, that's what's going to go and stand and last in his presence forever, not what I win down on this earth. So you mean to say you being a great singer, it's nope. not going to impress God nope. in heaven? Everyone has a good voice in heaven. Yeah, everybody can <laughs> sing in heaven. Thank you, Lord. I can't wait to get my sorry. singing crown in heaven. Oh, like, you heard me. You heard me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> And so, and so, um, what about uh, 
you get this, this yeah, it's shirt. Not our, our, it's no, no nothing to do with work. But we make it so much based on that. We think that God is attracted to us because of what we can do for him. He's attracted to us because of how much we look like him. Oh. That's the key. I want to bring back something Pastor Tony said about the shoes of the gospel where our gospel goes with us. And Pastor Robin, you added on to that as well, saying that, you know, when we love ourselves, it's easy. Because it's like, what good is it to minister the gospel if we don't believe it ourselves? Like, because then it'll just be facts. It'll just be sharing facts with people about Jesus versus showing them what we believe internally and that overpouring. And I just, you know, and you I, just spoke congruence. Yeah, because that's no exactly what it is. Where mm-hmm. you be, you believe it yourself, then your emotions and your thoughts line up, and you speak it out because that's you believe right. it so much. Right. So that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, congruence. So you get what we're saying uh, here. Yeah, I'm picking up all the things you're putting down you tonight. Someone <laughs> says he um, give them. A I want them to hear what you said, so let them have time to think. Hit that, and they can have time to think. I was just saying, this has got to be our perspective of our life because this is what will produce the godly emotion. This is what will produce the godly confession. If you know that he's more interested in what he's doing in you than what he's doing outside of you. This is so important because the enemy wants you to look outside yourself all the time and measure your life. Based, but if you look outside right now, it's pretty hard to measure your life because not much is going on. And you feel like not it's stagnant. Not nice things. You know, and you would look at life right now and think, well, it's very slow. It's very stagnant. There's not much I can do. But the work that he's doing in you is so great at the moment. Right? And that is the thing that is going to last. That's the thing that he died to have fellowship with. Come on, let's get into the intimacy of Christ here. Yep. That's the thing that he gave up his life for. Your heart. You as a person, because it's reflection of who he is. He didn't die so that you could win a Grammy. Can I be real? He didn't die so you could win an Oscar. He didn't die so you could be a millionaire. Those are all things that are added on. But he died so that you could be his and be in his presence. That's too much of what's going on out there. Wanting to be a millionaire. I want to be a... And we're not talking millions now. It's... I used to think millions were great, you know. Now it's billions. We're into the billions. And I think we're going trillions. And what's the next one? Quadrillion. Oh, no. Quadrillion. Zillion, cotillion. Come on. But, guys, this is what will cause our... um, Can we bring that image up? Because we need to go to this image. This is what will cause our hedge of faith to be strengthened. (laughs) so that these demonic things cannot get any kind of room in our house. See, demons will get room in your house from a heart wound. A heart wound is because you don't believe that what God is doing in your life is enough. You don't think it's good Come enough. On. You don't think you're enough. Come on. You don't think it fits. You don't think it's you got enough time. And you maybe a heart wound from the past. So the so the demons start to infiltrate with these foundation steps. Bring up that picture. They build on these steps. But if you can just remember this key, it's so powerful. It can shut the mouth of the enemy because all he's got is words. Now, there's some people, a lot of new people, and I want that illustration brought up and you can show it, please, because I think it's really important that we see it. Here it is. So, yeah, the red is the shield of faith. So the hedge of faith. So if you have faith to believe that the cross is enough in your life, 
then this house won't get infiltrated. But in Luke 11:24, it talks about how a demon goes and he gets seven spirits worse than itself, right? And it's actually in Mark that Jesus says a house divided against itself can't stand. So we, we know that Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he was saying, well, you know, the devil can't cast out the devil. But that kingdom principle applies to us because our, we are his house, we are his temple, and if we're divided against ourselves, we're not gonna stand. Right, we won't stand. And then we'll become a place of invitation and infestation for these things. And this is how demonic houses are built. So Did you hear what he just said? Implantation for Invitation and in Infestation. And infestation. Yeah. So these things are built first and foremost, Satan builds his work against us, not in us, against us. And I want to just preface this by saying you can't be demon-possessed and you can't be demonized. You can be influenced yeah. by a demon. The Greek word is uh, demonozymai, right? It means influenced by. So that's what it means, to be influenced by a spirit because the Lord says that our spirit is sealed with yeah. the Holy Spirit. We are one in spirit with him. So I'm not telling you that a demon can live in your spirit. It cannot. But it can influence you with its desires. And, and it its, can layer. And it can layer on top, right? So it usually is built on generational curses. These are the foundation of the house. Generational curses and then generational sins, all right? The children of Israel knew this very, very well. That's why the Lord kept telling them, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm telling you, what you do affects your next generation. Deuteronomy 28, right? If you love me and you obey me and keep my commands, then I'll visit your blessing to the 10th generation. If you don't, then I'll visit the curses to the third and fourth generation. So here goes the question. A lot of us have done this already, and praise God we have. So we've, we've pressed that elevator button up. For those that are new, there are things in your life that you're dealing with because of people and what they've done in their previous years before you and you've inherited that so you need to go to the holy spirit and you need to say what is generational in my life is this and i'm not just talking about witchcraft we always go for the witchcraft fear is there passed down fear is there passed down anxiety is there passed down doubt is there passed down depression they're just as big you know we always go for the the false religions and the, and the spiritual diseases. But, I mean, you can inherit fear from your parents. That demon attaches itself to your family tree and it treats itself as a familiar spirit to your family. It learns your family name and it says, right, because mum was this Studies way. Studies you. Yeah, mum was this way, so now we predict daughter will be this way. Son will be this way. Yeah. And it sends the same arguments. It sends the same imaginations that it's sent to your parents. Yep. So generational curses, generational sins are the foundation. And you accept it. And you accept it. You accept it. Oh, that's the way my mother was. That's the way I'm going to be. Yeah. But that's something you need to break. Yeah. Be because you weren't made in the image of your mother. You were made in right. the image of God. Yeah. Or we deny it and it's still there. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> and I, I want to say like what Pastor just said, we've accepted things about our personalities and our parents' personalities that we've claimed as characteristics of them and their character traits, but they're actually demonic. Yeah. Oh, you know, my mum is afraid of heights. Yeah. Simple. Simple. Come on. 
No fear, no spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So this is really now where spiritual warfare has to become consistent is the word. Because if you're not consistent with your warfare, Very true. then your house is not congruent. You've got to be consistent on all levels. Don't just be casting out word curses, but still creating in a vase. Because you're not consistent. And the enemy goes, ha, right, okay, the walls are still up. You might have got rid of the ceiling, but the walls are still up. And it doesn't take me long time to put back the ceiling. Okay, so this is really powerful. Sorry, I don't want to touch you in the face. The next floorboards are the ungodly soul ties. Because the floor is what communicates each room to each room. It's the soul ties that you've got with people. It's the, thing, it's the things that your soul is tied to, memories that are not godly, that God hasn't permitted your soul to be tied to. So these, these act like the floorboards of the demonic house. And so they build on generational curses. The next one, ugh, I hate this one. The next one is the walls of the house. Oh, yes. I don't like negativity yeah. of any Negative sort. expectations, Kills negative faith. pictures. And then also on the other side, which is something the Lord's really highlighting in my life right now, inner vows. Oh. That's your yes be yes and your no be no. But what are inner vows? Inner vows are where you agree with yourself. That's the talking to yourself. The talk to yourself. About yourself. Talking to yourself about, it's not just about yourself. Talking to yourself about someone else. It's not just the accuser. This is more than that. This is, it's so dangerous because you counsel yourself about you or someone else. And you talk to yourself. No wonder this is so dangerous that is a wall. If that's a wall, not the floor, but that's a wall, then that means something's being kept out, which is far more better for you, and that is the Holy Spirit to talk to you about yourself. And, Pastor, even in the psychology world, like when you talk to yourself, (laughs) it's actually a really bad practice. It's actually really emotionally unstable to see someone talking to themselves because it means that they haven't developed a relationship enough to express to people what they're feeling. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, when you talk to yourself, you know, you walk around but and like a little mumbling. But at least talk to, to the but Lord. But this is where we talk to the Lord. You get you into the presence to. of the Lord. One thing about inner vows is this also, um, you know, constitutes ungodly belief systems. Yep. As well as... It opens um, it up. As well as... Uh, negative expectations, inner vow. So an inner vow could be something like, okay, I broke the soul tie. Oh, let me go there. Here we go. Breakups. I broke the soul tie with that person that I was in a relationship with, but I'm never, ever going to date someone like that again. I'm never, ever going to be with someone like that again. That's a vow to yourself. I'm never, ever going to open my heart to a man or a woman like that. And then the world classes that as finding out your type. But you've just made a vow with yourself and you've just reinstated a demonic wall in your house. So now that demon has gained not just a wall, but you've, you've let him put the wallpaper on the wall and he starts to hang his pictures. Come on, let's it's get real. It's a fortress. All of it. So this is where now the vows have to line up. So someone's asking, these are the foundations 
This is the process. So yes, the ungodly soul ties will be built, believe it or not, on generational curses. Yeah. Because you learn to relate to people from your parents. Yes. So you learn to give your heart to people and you learn to go after ungodly people from your mum and dad. Yep. Because everything's learnt as a child. As a as a statement, these uh, it's usually said in the world, and we don't want to be of the world, but it's said a statement. Uh, you know, you, you always jump from the fire back in, uh, from the fry pan back into the fire. I'll never do that. I'll never marry someone who's an alcoholic. I'll never do that. And then you find yourself doing exactly that. You know? Exactly right. And you find yourself attaching to the exact same people. Same people. People that puts you in a place to drink. Yep. So All the time. The ungodly soul ties is that base layer. Then you've got the walls, the inner vows, the negative expectations. Then you come up to the ceiling. What puts a cap on it? The first layer of the ceiling is word curses. Mm. Things that you say, what are word curses? Things that you say that do not line up about you and about others in the word of God. This is what I'm learning. Only what God says is allowed do you Can get to speak about yourself. Uh, that's <laughs> it. Anything else. Is a curse. But anything else other than what God says about you, is totally illegal. And a lie. And should not be uttered. And Pastor, what is sin? Sin, we know it's distance from God, right? Yeah. But sin is believing a lie. To believe a lie is sin in yeah. God's eyes. Yeah. That's why yeah. he cannot let you believe anything but truth about him. That's why he'll intervene to correct your life. He won't let you get away with living a lifestyle that's not in his will because if you believe that you can get away with it, that to him is sin because he is truth and he must be truth in your life. Yeah. He chastises those that he loves, right? It, it's so important, Pastor. When I was doing Abiding in Christ with the people, it is the key. You cannot continually do things illegally. Now, we look at the things and we say, that's illegal to think of myself like that. Yes, it is because God has declared something different. And if you continue to think that way, he's going to have to deal with you to bring you back to wanting to be in the spirit, moving in the spirit, opening up spiritual doors. Do you understand? But if you're dealing with things and you're acting illegally, you can't go into the spirit. Yeah. You've got to stay in your flesh. I know we've got to finish up, so I'll quickly go. move on this. So after that, the word curses, the ceiling that caps it all off, and funny enough, it's the highest place of the house because it deals with imagination, is the traumatic pictures. So the demons that harp on pictures of the past, they come and they cap everything off by building a ceiling on what the word curses are built on, which is the inner vows, which is the negative expectations, and they've built on the ungodly soul ties, which they've built on generational curses and generational sins. Two elements that are also here but aren't mentioned. The mortar that holds the whole house together is your self-effort and my self-effort. <laughs> 
Wow. It's what holds all of those. Is there any those, flesh burning stuff here, please? It's what holds it all. Your self effort holds your ungodly soul ties to your life. Did you catch what I just said? Yeah. Your self effort holds your inner vows. Your self effort holds, holds the pictures. So this is why he hates self. He hates self. Mm. He cannot stand in his presence. And the door that the demon walks through is the point of entry. And and you you constantly use flesh and yourself to think that's going to please God. But God wants flesh and self dead. Shouldn't even be alive. He wanted it dead. That doesn't, your flesh never glorifies God. Never. You see, how do I say that? Your spirit will glorify God, but not your flesh. So your flesh doing spiritual things doesn't glorify God. This is the key. It's, it's real. We have to Whatever see Whatever you do must be done of faith. You can't live in faith through self-effort. No. Nope. The only way you can live in faith is through the Spirit because faith is not a man-made thing. It's a God thing. Yeah. So you have to get totally out of the picture. So when the Lord shows you this, he starts to show you the layering in your life and what's been built. Now we talk about heart congruence and coherence. You might be saying in your heart, I believe you, God, but your voice or your mouth is speaking different things. You need to go back to your house and find out which part of your house is still intact because it means that your house is not intact in a good way. It means that demons and demonic powers still have part of your soul that they can claim legal right to. And this so is really important. The, the um, voice print... So you then are on their level of yep. voice print instead of you are above. Yeah, a physical example is I'm casting out, you know, you can't the spirit of fear to do with. On the same level. I'm saying you I want to get rid of all these fearful pictures. Lord, take these ungodly pictures away. But I haven't dealt with the fear of the negative expectations or the fear of the vows that I've made with myself like, uh, if I have to go through this again, I'm not going to make it. I've said that to my own heart, and my heart has believed the lie. So I suggest this is what you do. You ask the Lord to let you hear yourself. yourself. You ask him to let you hear what you're saying to yourself and then make a decision. You're going to not do it anymore. It isn't worth it. It isn't worth it. Time is important. God has given us precious time and we shouldn't waste it. We mustn't waste it because one day we will be accountable for wasting it. We need to ask the Holy Spirit, let me hear what I'm saying in my heart. Let me hear what I'm about to verbalise in my mouth. You see, you need to do that. It's too important now for you to do that so that you could get pulled up or you could pull yourself up, which would be a good thing because then you'll be working with the Holy Spirit, won't you? And this is really important that we do this. You see, 
I know, I did it the other day. And it brought me so much peace. And I worked it through and it wasn't worth it. Nothing is worth that. You see, the time God's given us, I want faith, hope and love. So I'm not interested in anything else, fear, anything, revenge, none of it. I'm not interested in it. I'm really not interested in it. And I certainly don't want to be right. I don't want to be right. I just want grace because there go I but for the grace of God. So I'll quickly just sum this up. Um, guys, if you do the course, we're going to go through each of these in, in detail. And we're going to deal with actual prayers that will break down. I need know, to just answer word, word one question. One question here, and I feel I need to do this. Jen Kim asked a question, and uh, can we find it? Because I had an answer for her. I think she said, yeah, I saw it back here. Where was that? It's really important because I felt the Lord wanted to address it. Okay. I think this might What are the great ways to remain consistent? No, that wasn't it. That was one of hers. Um, How can I get out of weakness? No. How do I please God? I think it was that one or something. What What was the actual words? Can somebody help me? So tell me a great way to remain consistent. Consistent? No. She James, says say sin, it again. Sin what displeases the oh. Lord. There's another. I did see one question. What'd she say? It's how can I get out of weakness? That's one. Yep. And the other one was... Okay. Something about pleasing God. How do I... I think that was a she said it was sin, comma, what displeases the sin Lord. She, she's... The yeah. Lord. Ah, okay, Jan, I just want to tell you. The way to please God is not to live your life and love the Lord, but to live his life and please him. Amen. So I'll quickly go over this. Um, If you want to deal with generational sins and curses, first thing you have to do is forgive. Say that again. Nice. You want to deal with generational sins and curses and be real, real, real straight now. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive your parents and you've got to forgive immediate family because unforgiveness is wow. the layer that all this is built on. If you don't forgive your mum or you don't forgive your dad, you'll believe all the stuff that the demons build upon unforgiveness. So the first step is forgive. Remember, Jesus said, forgiveness is what gives you the power to bind and loose. Remember, Pastor Tony taught on that today in the seminar. He tied those two in. When you forgive, then he said, don't you know that I've given you the power to bind and loose? So unforgiveness robs you of that power to bind and loose. Let that sink in. Second thing is, You need to go through and you need to sever in the spirit the ungodly soul ties. I went past my old dance school today, just to give an example. Mm. And the Lord said straight away to me, he said, Nathan, break the soul tie right now. And I thought, hang on, I've done that. Went past, you know where, driving down. He said, no, there's something else that's still locked up. Break it. 
And I said, okay. So out loud, driving down, I just said, didn't I, Pastor? I said, I need to break that soul tie. The Lord just brought up to my remembrance yep. something, a memory that I've still got locked in that place. And I felt like the Holy Spirit released it back into me to do with my confidence. And so I would encourage everyone, you might have done it a million times. It's different layers. You need to go back and you need to say, okay, Lord, maybe part of my confidence, maybe part of my belief in myself is still locked up. For a lot of us or for a lot of people in this room, it's university. It's places where we were told we weren't enough. We weren't good enough. We had to prove to be enough. Yeah. You've got to call it back. You've always got to say. proving. I want to go back to forgiveness because really important. There's a scripture that says, now look at the weight of this. If you don't forgive, God then God can't forgive. Now, that you would say, well, that applies. If I don't forgive someone, God won't forgive me. But I'm going to say there's one more than that. If you've been wronged and you don't forgive, then God won't forgive them either. Do you want to have that weight on your shoulders that your unforgiveness is stopping God from forgiving? I tell you, when I heard Pastor preaching today and I heard him make that state and I heard that scripture come out and I went, Oh, my God, what a sobering thought. I do not want to ever be at a place where you won't forgive because I won't forgive. Especially if there's people we've been praying for and trying to get them saved and yeah. all this other stuff, but yeah. we, ha we won't forgive them. But it's just Anywho. really important Shania, really yes. important, the weight of forgiveness. Yep, yes. God's saying, I won't forgive them if you won't forgive them. Now, he, of course, is expecting you to say, yes, Lord, I forgive them, help me. Yeah. Right? But the weight of forgiveness is that heavy. Right. And part of the unforgiveness and the soul ties being, being part of stripping the floorboards, which are the ungodly soul ties, right? Once you remove the negative soul ties, we don't do this enough as the church. We need to ask the Lord to strengthen the godly soul ties. Yes. So there are godly soul ties. God gave you your mum and dad for a reason. Mm. And if you didn't have good parents, there was someone in your life. No one is ever without someone Try. representing the love of God. And this is a key because if you want to get healed, your brain's got to pull on those memories mm. to heal you yeah. and stop using the negative memories as the source. So yeah. there, are, there, are, there are memories where parents, okay, they might have not done the best, but there are memories where they did good by you. Right. And you need to remember <laughs> them. Right. And you need to be thankful for them. And you, and need you can to always find something up. good out of it. Because you've got to replace yeah. You cannot just rebuke and renounce. You've got no, to replace. You've got to replace, yes. You've got to replace. Because remember, Luke eleven twenty four. you don't replace. It comes back seven times worse. So this is how you get kingdom emotion. You say, okay, Lord, now strengthen the part where I haven't seen that my parents loved me. Strengthen the part where I haven't seen that they were protecting me or that they provided for me. Or if I didn't have a parent, strengthen the part where I didn't see that you were my parent. 
because yeah. I need a godly soul tie, right? Yeah. And then the inner vows, again, same thing. You get rid of the ungodly beliefs and then you replace them with godly beliefs that override the lie. Yeah. So you have to get rid of all of that stuff. The second, uh, I'll just quickly finish this. The second, I've got something here. Um, the walls of inner vows are the walls that keep out the abiding realities of faith, hope and love. Yep. Whilst keeping in demonic energy of the character of the demonic spirit. So the walls are very important to break down because they keep in. It's like what we taught in real relationships. Walls are not boundaries. Yeah. God uses boundaries. Boundaries encourage more relationship. Walls discourage more relationship. So boundaries are there to provide security so you know how far you can go. Walls are to keep people out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just look at all the media of the last year. What All about walls, right? Yeah. So don't build walls. Get healthy in your relationships and find out where the godly boundary is so that you love yourself as you love your neighbour. But don't put up a wall and say, right, because of this I can't love my neighbour anymore because that is just going to put you back into bondage. No, for next time, right. This is how far I go and this yeah. is the boundary that I put up as a test to right, see right, right. Yeah, how further right. relationship can be developed. Yeah. It's very important. And then last but not least, breaking of word curses. Someone really asked how do they get through this? Break off the word curses and forgive those who spoke them over yourself, including yourself. So you have to forgive yourself for cursing yourself. You're the first. And a lot of time we don't do that. We just break them, but we don't forgive ourselves for saying that about ourselves. And yeah. I think we this is a good answer here, and that is uh, forgiving yourself is the key to forgiving others. So much of a key because you, you wonder why, why can't, well, excuse me, why this doesn't work. Why do I keep going around this mountain or uh, going through this wilderness? And then you think, oh, it's the other person. It's the other person. But in actual fact, God wants you to look at what you think of you. What you think of you. Forgive yourself and you will release forgiveness for others. Yes. This is my last thing and I'm, then I'm going to put my mic down because we've got a lot today. You, look, famous quote by Bill Johnson, Pastor Bill Johnson. Don't agree with everything he said, but this one I agree with. Don't let a thought come into your mind about you or others that God doesn't have in his mind about you or others. Yep. There you go. Simple. So true. So if he's talking to you about you or others, it's only godly things. Right, not facts, not other things <laughs> that we cloud ourselves with. <laughs> ah! Um, I had a few questions before we close out. You guys probably kind of answered, but just for those who did have questions, that one we didn't an- quite answer is if we break those ideas or soul ties, will it break off of our parents too? Um. It's hard because choice is where this comes involved. Yeah. Remember, the mortar is self-effort. 
Yeah. But so love you, will love will cover overpower yeah. a lot. But you can begin the process by doing it over your life and then allowing the Holy Spirit to get you free and then that will overflow into others' lives. I can answer maybe this way to say to you, um, Shania, that mm -hmm. if um, you forgive yourself, then you change. If you change, then it rollerballs mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. someone else that might have had a problem with you, but then sees, wow, there's change here. Do you understand? Right. So the importance of seeing what God's saying about you, it changes you. Yeah. You start to be transformed into the image of God because you see what you, you like what you see. You like what you see. You're being transformed into the image of God. You like it. If you like it, then be assured they'll like it. Yep. I'm a witness to that one. Praise God for that. Did that help? Yeah, hopefully it did um, for that person, yes. And it helped me too. I'll take that one flow. Um, any other questions? Oh, I have a quick question. Sorry, did you have someone particular? Um, yeah, Elizabeth says, are heart wounds similar to arrows in healing and wholeness? I believe so. Yeah, I believe it's very, very similar. Okay. Actually, Pastor Wendell actually came up to me and said that a lot of this model is what they've been using in their healing and wholeness sessions. Well, good. So praise God. Amen to Yeah, that. I believe heart wounds are similar to arrows and that they lead to a lot of other stuff. Any other questions? No. I had one question. Go for it. Just a quick one. Why do we use grace to cover emotions, or I say negative emotions? You have to come to my course for that one. I haven't, ah, I haven't got enough time. Not the exclusive. I haven't okay. got enough time. We'll come to your course, Pastor Nathan. And no, grace, remember, grace is... <laughs> Simply put, grace is the ability f to mm -hmm. do things in his spirit that you can't do. Yeah. So emotions, holding yourself together by your emotions is self-effort. You can't apply grace to that. Right. But also grace... One cancels out the other. Yeah. It also grace is uh, its favour given to you that you don't deserve and you didn't earn. So... Given for change, not for indulgence. Yeah, yeah. So it's for change. Grace And grace doesn't keep you in the same place. Ah. If it's true grace, it there'll be on. change. Right. It moves you on. Yes. If you have a manifestation of ungodly emotion, yeah. God's grace will cover it, but he'll only cover it so that you grow from it. And there's all forms. doesn't let you fall back into it. And there's all forms of grace. Yep. Season casting, five, those five pillars. Go, empowering. Yeah. Covering. Uh, overcoming. Enabling. Yes. Uh, saving. Yeah. Saving. There you go. And the last one? That was five. Was it? Yeah. yeah. What one did you say? Covering. And covering. Yeah. There it is. That's good. No other questions. I think we it's did well. Oh, put it up. Hi. Henna? What if the person does not want to change? 
child, I know. Mm-hmm. If the person doesn't want, yes, I know what you're saying. <laughs> if the person doesn't want to change, it's not your problem. Forgiveness is not based on them changing. Come on. Sorry. I know you would like me to say something else because it'll make it a bit easier. But it, if you just find it so easy to forgive and it doesn't cost you something, my God, you know, think about that. It's not there for that reason. Amen. Forgiveness is there to get you out of jail. Ooh, so good. Get you out That's of it. hell. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You're locked up. You're locked up. Well, we must have to also remember we've been on the wrong side too, meaning yep. hurt others. All of us there go I, but for the grace of God. So that's always a good reminder to know that we have also hurt other people that we need forgiveness from others. So forgiveness, grace is for change. Not for indulgence. Okay. Got it. A lot of people indulge in grace. I know. Yeah. So don't. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to stop counseling myself in my head right now. Review it, review it. Am I? Just kidding. Anywho, I got some it. prayer to do, guys. All right, you guys getting into my journaling time. It's time we to go. <laughs> we all need to talk to the Lord. Just talk to him. He just want to talk to us. So did you enjoy this tonight, just guys? To yes. Come on, give hearts. us the hearts and the thumbs. Because it's hot up here, y'all. Listen, we gave you guys plenty. We oh, are so Lord. thankful for it all like don't begrudge it whatsoever i'll sit up here in the sweat to make sure you guys will uh, we know we've get done what we were called to yes, do. yes. until it's complete this so segment we, was like an hour and three minutes that's the longest segment so we're gonna get some hearts <laughs> and we're gonna get down. some of yes. those thumbs going up let's do it and on let's this go so thank you guys for listening you have now heard another episode of <gasps> Oh, it's Pasatoni. I'll do Pasatoni. Bottles. Bottles. <laughs> bye bye now. <laughs>